So you might have noticed in the reading today, there was a lot of stones. The word stone is probably in that passage six, seven, eight times. Now here's the funny thing about this. The person writing this book is a guy named Peter. But Peter is not this guy's name. Peter was a nickname Christ gave this apostle. Anyone know his real name? Simon. So Simon is his name. Simon is brother Andrew. They grew up together fishing. And when Jesus met him, Jesus started calling him Cephas, Peter. And the word Peter means rock. Jesus called Peter the rock. And in this, right here in chapter 2 of this letter, Peter's going, man, you guys think I'm the rock. I want you to meet the real rock. There's a story that is told. Um, who is it? Someone asked Jimi Hendrix once. That Jimmy, people say the greatest guitar player of all time. He goes, no, I'm an I ain't the greatest. And they're like, well, who's the greatest? And he said, Phil Kagan. Everyone was like, who's Phil Kagan? No one knows who the guy was. He's this Christian guitarist with nine fingers. Um, but Hendrix, who we all know is shred machine, he goes, man, I ain't nothing. Look at that guy over there. And here Peter's going, you think I'm the man? Let me tell you who the man is. And he's going to point to Jesus. That's what he's going to do. So this, this part of so what happened so far in the letter in this letter, Peter has told us that we are exiles. We, are, we don't belong here. We live in this place, but, we, but we, we were made for somewhere else. We are exiles, sojourners, foreigners. We are told by Peter that we are exiles because we've been born to a new family. Now, I was born in Alanese when I was a baby. But through Christ, I've been born into a new family the Christian family, the family of Jesus. So because I'm born again, I now don't fit into the world in which I live. We're told, we're told in the last chapter that as exiles, we're called to be holy. We're called to be holy. And now, Peter's going to kind of take his camera. Instead of talking about me and you, he's going to talk about us. So not you, and not you, and not me. Us. Let's get into it. So it starts off. Verse 4. And coming to Jesus as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Okay. Coming to him a living stone. He calls Christ a living stone. It's funny. Peter is going to give us a big metaphor about rocks. But he wants to make sure to remind us that the rock is alive. It's like, listen, don't ever think this is a rock. Jesus is a living stone. The, the, the book started off by saying, we've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter is always staring at the resurrection. The Jesus we follow, Jesus we love, he's not dead. He is alive. He's the living stone. And he says this, he's been rejected by men. And that's true of Jesus. Jesus was rejected by people. Jesus. There are some who think that Jesus failed in his mission. That Jesus came here to start some kind of movement. No one liked him and they killed him. They, they said, I had a professor in college once tell me, 
Jesus failed in his mission. That's crazy talk. Jesus not failed. Jesus said of himself, he said, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, the point of his life, he knew, I have come here to die that the people I love may live. That's not a failure. That's what he intended to do. He knew that everyone would reject him, and they did. Listen, the Romans didn't kill Christ. The Jews didn't kill Christ. Nobody killed him. He laid himself down. Jesus, no one had the authority to pull him down. Jesus gave it up himself freely. He said, you, you want my life? I'll lay it down for you. He said, he said, if my followers, if my kingdom were of this world, my followers, they would rise up and fight for me. My kingdom is not of this world. So he let himself be taken. So he's rejected. Then it says this, rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Let's jump down to verse 6. It says, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes upon him will not be put to shame. So Peter, he jumps to the Psalms to show us that this stone imagery has been around for a long time. The Jews, the Jewish prophets for a long time, talked about the stone. How the stone would be rejected, but how the stone would be put down as the chief cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? So, my, my, grandf my grandfather, my, fa my father-in-law, my father-in-law, that's my wife's dad, right? My father-in-law. So, my, my father-in-law, Mr. Bob, we call him Bob the Builder, because Bob builds things. My father-in-law bought a tore up from the floor up house in carriage town this house even the the foundations were falling in there was holes in the foundation sides he bought it like he, in his mind he could see something beautiful i saw a money pit he saw hope so he buys this and he's a retired man but he goes there every day for six hours and he works on this house and he slowly is rebuilding it day by day i don't have those same skills what he can do with brick and wood is a miracle to me. If, I, if you gave me an hour, if you gave me a day and told me, Ernesto, build a square box you could stand on, couldn't do it. My box would be all like unsquare and unstable. You'd fall down. It'd be brutal. But Bob, Bob the builder can make a lot of great things. Now, nowadays with our building uh, technology, we have laser levels, right? We have all, we have plumb lines. You buy Home Depot and they keep walls straight. Before laser levels, how did people make straight houses? Well, in the ancient world, the cornerstone was how you started any building. The cornerstone, when you put it down, the cornerstone, just as you know, the cornerstone goes in the corner. And the cornerstone has to be like level and flush on both walls. Because the cornerstone, if it's not level, the walls will be unlevel. And if it's not flush, you're going to be out or in. That cornerstone must be, it's the first thing you put, you see, you level it, you flush the walls, and from that one stone, the entire building will be built using this as the foundation of it. And it says here, Jesus is that foundational stone. First thing I want to say to us is very simple. 
Peter is telling us, Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is our foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone. When I was a kid, I used to walk to school every morning. Uh, it was about a mile walk to school. I went to Mott High School um, in Waterford, Michigan. I lived about a mile away, so I'd walk. And in the winter, it was a brutal walk. You know how we tell our kids all the time, when I was your age, I walked to school a mile both ways. You know, that's, it was true. Uh, but uh, I'd walk, and in the winter, it'd be so cold sometimes. You'd walk, and nowadays, I don't give a rip. I don't care. I, nowadays, if you've ever, we had a work day here at the church. I got this goofy hat I wear. It like, I look like a peasant from like medieval Europe. But it keeps my ears warm. So I, don't, I, I don't care how goofy I look. It keeps me warm. When you're a kid, though, you care about looking cool, right? So when I was a kid, I walked to school, I wouldn't wear a big, I wear a thin jacket, no hat, and you're walking to school just like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. But you gotta be cool, so you just take it for that whole mile. One day I'm walking to school, and uh, there's this, there's this, um, there's like a, what do you call it, like a drainage ditch? Maybe three feet down, and I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it was possible, but a layer of ice developed over the drainage ditch, like a, like a, like a, like a, a shelf. I'm walking, I'm like, that's so cool. And I'm like, I wonder if this shelf could hold weight. <laughs> I mean, I'm young, I'm, so I'm, I want to know. So I decide I'm going to jump on this shelf and see what happens. So I kind of just leap out onto the shelf. And I land, and the thing about ground is my brain is ready to hit ground and be solid and firm. But when I landed, it just gave way. The ice just broke. So I jumped, landed, and all of a sudden in your mind, there's panic. Because there's not ground, there's air. And there's like, and there's this, I'm falling, and there's this fear and scare, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm on the ground again. Because it's only like, it's like two feet. So I just fell for two feet and landed on the ground. Those two feet, oh my gosh. For those two feet, my breath was gone. I was on the ground again, I'm like, okay, ground, I'm safe, it's all good. Christ is the ground beneath our feet. We can, on Christ, it's like, okay, I'm safe, it's strong, I'm stable. Imagine living in this life without Christ. You would always feel like you're falling. You'd always feel like there's no one here to catch me. There's no hope. There's no purpose. But for us, Christ is our cornerstone. Christ is our foundation. But Peter is something incredible here. Listen to what Peter does next. Peter is going to say a lot of great things about Jesus. In this six verses, Peter is always going to go back to Christ saying, Christ is the man, he's the true stone all the time. What Peter does, Peter never says to people, live a good life because I said so. That's not what Peter does. That's what parents do. That's what Peter does. Peter's going to say, Think this way, live this way, do these things. Why? Because of Jesus. He always builds the Jesus piece first and then tells us, because of Jesus, this. So he says, Jesus is the living stone. Look at verse 5. You also, as living stones. Jesus is the living stone, and if you're in Jesus, you're a living stone. He says, Jesus rejected, right? He says, if you're in Jesus, You'll be rejected too. Straight up. 
My buddy, Pastor West from uh, the Rock Church in Fenton, him and I have done a, we went to India together and preached Jesus to Hindus. And there was a few nights in India where we're preaching in an open field. And, on the, and against the very back of the field, there'll be some Hindus standing there, some Hindu men, arms crossed, like, what the crap are you doing in my country? And you feel that fear, like, are they going to beat us? Are they going to kill us? What's going to happen here? But uh, thankfully, this last time we were in India, no one was mean to us. But Wes uh, did, a, he did a, he did some street preaching in Las Vegas. Now, I don't like Vegas. You know, some people love Vegas. I'm not a Vegas guy. I have never felt in my, I went to Vegas with my wife once. I've never felt sin so close. Like, I felt the devil was like, Ernesto, welcome home, baby. Like it, I, it was like, come on in. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, it scared me. I could burn my whole life down there, and people would cheer me on while I did it. And that's a horrifying place to be. Well, Wes decided to go and preach Jesus on the corners of I'd preach in Chicago on the streets. People might ignore you. They might be like, dur, 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 make fun of you. In Vegas, people are there to burn their lives down. They don't want to hear about the Lord. They want to get stupid and be left alone. Dude, people threw beers on him. People cussed him out to his face. They got their heads kicked in out there. If we stand with Jesus, they rejected him. They very well may reject us. But it says he's rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Listen to the next verse 6. So I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes upon him will not be put to shame. So Christ, rejected by men, but chosen by God. So if you're in Christ, you may be rejected by men, but man, you will not be ashamed in the Lord. Just like Christ is not ashamed in the Lord, if we are in Christ, we will not be ashamed in the Lord. So everything true of Jesus is true of us. So he's a living stone. He calls us a living stone. What does this mean? He says, you also, a living stone, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a living stone being built up into a spiritual house. So it says here that God, so we are a brick, and God is making us into a building. I want to say this to us, okay? The imagery here, the metaphor here, is very unique. I've heard people my whole life say, this body is the temple of the Lord. This body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. You ever heard people say it before? Say, this body is a temple of God. I want to be good to it. But Peter's saying here, he goes, no, you're not the temple of God. We're the temple of God. By yourself, you're not the building. You're a single brick in the work God is doing. You're a piece of something bigger. There's a story in history of a nation, a city-state called Sparta. You've heard of Sparta? They're in a cool movie called 300. Really crazy, actually. But Sparta is this city-state that was known for its warriors and its warfare. This was an entire culture built around strength. 
Well, Sparta, being known for its strength, a foreign king came to visit Sparta to see the greatness of their defenses. In the ancient world, your defenses were your wall, right? Jericho had the big wall. Ai had a great wall. China had the great wall of China against the Mongolians. Building a wall kept your people safe from the oncoming hordes. This king comes to see the walls of Sparta. He gets there, and the city has no wall. And this foreign king goes, where are the renowned walls of Sparta? And the king points his army, and he says, that is the wall of Sparta. Every man a brick. In Christ, we together are the temple of God. Together. Now, a lot of people think the Christian life is me and God. Me and God, I don't need anybody else, just me and God and the world is fine. That is not a biblical understanding of who we are in Christ. We need each other. St. Cyprian once said, no man can call God Father if the church is not his mother. I'll flip it for the ladies in the house. No woman can call God, no woman can call God Father if the church is not her mother. We were not meant, it's not meant to be me and the Lord. Think about the Bible. Listen, stinking Moses, I know my mind it's always Charlton Heston by himself being the man. If you ever read the Bible, it's not just Moses, is it? It's Moses and Aaron and Miriam. It's always a team. because No one can do it alone. We are not meant to serve God by ourselves in this world. It would crush anybody. Even the Christ, our Savior, had 12. In Gethsemane, on that long night when he was praying to God for help, for the strength to face the cross. You know what he asked? He asked his three best friends in the world, please stay awake with me and pray. I'm hurting, I'm weak, I'm broken down. Peter, James, John, just please stay awake with me. My soul is weary unto death. We need one another. Now I know, as Americans, we are very individualistic. We are. America's a nation of cowboys. I'm serious. Our, our mythology as a nation, people would leave their families, go across the West, and just create a life out of nothing. It was wild. That creates in our national identity this, like, my way or the highway. What does is, what is Massachusetts license plate say? Live free or die? It's crazy. We're crazy, dude. That is not the value we see in Christ. Christ says, if you are in Jesus, it's not just that you became part of a new family. So you're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But you're not just born again to God. You're born into a new family. You got new cousins. You got new siblings. You got new parents. You got new kids. In Christ in the early church, Jesus said to his followers, they will know, they will know you're my followers because of your love. 
And he didn't mean our love for the world. He meant our love for each other. There's, there's commands to love the world. There is, but in that one instance, he meant you guys take care of one another so much the world will see your affection, your true love for one another, and it will turn heads. But a lot of us don't want to commit to a people, to a community. We love, we, we, just me and the Lord. I'll just jump churches all the time and find, listen, you don't got to come to Flint City. I don't own nobody. The goal of my life is not to build Flint City Church. The goal of my life is to glorify God by pointing anyone to Jesus. Most of our ministry as a church does not help our church. Most of our ministry, we never see the fruit of. We go to the jails. We go to addiction houses. We work at the homeless. We give food away. We don't do this to make this house bigger. We do this to give the gospel of Christ to as many as possible. If they land at any church in our city, we thank God for it. It's, we're not building one place. We're building the kingdom. Straight up. So you've got to come here, but go somewhere. And commit to somewhere. Because here's the deal. We're all part of the, the capital C church. So like there's the Methodists and the Lutherans and the Assemblies and the Baptists and all these guys. And they're all part of this big family called the church. We're all part of that if you're in Christ. If you've been born again, you're born again to that family. There's also individual local churches. Be a part of one of those. Because here's the deal. Okay, when I was a younger man, I would date people. I was a very impressive first date. I got some funny opening jokes. Hey, I got a... I come off a certain way. I was a really very fun first date. But if by date five, people realize, man, Ernesto's a crazy person. He, he just, he's, his mind goes a hundred different directions. Okay. For, let's, say, let's say you have a sibling. Let's say you have a sibling in, in, in your life. Who can, frustrate you, who can frustrate you faster than a sibling? Nobody. Because a sibling, there's so much history. They know you so well. They know it's like a button to push to, to blow your head up. Beep! Whoa! Like it's just that fast. But having a sibling, we have this crazy knowledge of one another because we have time invested in one another. Listen. A first date, yeah, you're impressive. After 20 years of marriage... You know all the dirty secrets. You know what I'm saying? You see each other without the makeup on. You, you know each other's bad breath smells. You, you, all the stuff that you, all the makeup you put on falls away and you see the real person. The reason we need to be part of a, a local community is because when you're in a community long enough, people can see through all your mask and actually hold you accountable to the Lord. I've had good brothers in Christ who have told me hard things. My brother in the Lord, also my brother in the flesh, Tony, more than once had to tell me, Ernesto, you are a bad husband to your wife. He's an unmarried punk kid telling me I'm a bad husband. I was like, you want to fight me? Like, it was crazy. But he loved the Lord, he loved me, and he told me the truth. 
And if he didn't tell me, I wouldn't have known. Being a part of a community for a long time, we can see through each other's garbage and actually help one another. Be a part of a community. You're a living stone built up into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Down to verse 7, so it says, he's, Jesus is the cornerstone, verse 7. Uh, this precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone which the builders rejected became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling became a rock of offense. They stumbled because they're disobedient to the word, and to the stumbling they were also appointed. So either, either the stone crushes you, or you're a brick built on the rock. I mean, if those are your choices, I know what I'm choosing. I rather be built up than crushed down. It says this, verse 9, but you are a chosen family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. This language, Peter is quoting something. You see, Peter's quoting Moses. When Moses led Israel out of slavery, God spoke to the nation and said, to the nation of Israel, Israel, I want to make you my, my beloved people. Out of all the world, I've chosen you, and you're my prized possession. And Peter takes all that language and he applies it to us. If you're in Christ, part of his family, he says to you, you're a chosen family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people from, for God's own possession. Look at verse 10. For you were once not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I love this thing. Listen to this. This is also a quote from the Bible, from the Hebrew Scriptures. This is from the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet of God in Israel who had the worst job of anyone in the entire Bible. Ever, ever, ever. God told Hosea to marry a woman, a woman of the night. She, lived in the, she worked in the streets and she sold her body for money. And God said, Hosea, you need to marry that girl. She's going to cheat on you. She's going to run away when you're sleeping. And you forgive her every time and you keep on loving her. Hosea was like, why, Lord, why? And God said, Hosea, your life's a picture of me. God's like, I love Israel. And she always runs out on me. I love her. I provide for her. I call her name and woo her and Every time I turn my back, she runs off after another God. She defies my commandments. She doesn't love me at all. Hosea, you will know what it's like. Your life is a picture of my love for my people. His life was a nightmare. There's one part in the story where he has to go because his wife leaves, gone for years. He's going to go down. He heard, hey, man, uh, your, your girl Gomer, dude, she's in debt to some people, and they're selling her on an auction block downtown. And God said, you go down there and you buy her back because that's your wife. Because God loves people so much, even when we run out that bad, 
Even when we blow our own lives up, here comes the Lord to buy us back. Hallelujah's right. They have some kids, Jose and Gomer do. Their first kid is named Lo-Ami, which means no mercy. The next kid's name is Lo-Rama, which means not my people. He says here, you used to be not my people. You used to be no mercy. You were the kids of Hosea. You were the, you were the illegitimate children of Hosea and Gomer. That's who you used to be. But in Christ, you have a new name. You're not no mercy anymore. Your name now is have received mercy. And your name is no longer not my people. Your name is my people. If you are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, you have received mercy and you have a people. This is good news. I want to say to us this. Verse 4 begins how we started this whole thing off. He says, and coming to Jesus. I want to say to you, come to Jesus and receive mercy. Before we were in Christ, we had the name, no mercy. Before we met Christ, we had the name, not a people. I remember when that was my name. I remember the world before I knew I was loved. I remember the world before I knew there was a God. And when you meet the Christ, to get that new name, it's something, it's, you never recover from it. If you're here and you've never realized that there's mercy for you, for your great sin, for your great mistakes, for the tragedy that is your life, there is mercy for you. If you feel like you have no people, in Christ you can have a people. Come to Jesus. If you're here and you are a brick founded on the cornerstone, let me tell you, you're not merely a brick in a wall for decoration. Okay? This is not like a brick you put someone's name in for 40 bucks and leave it there looking all pretty. That's not, that's not what your brick is for. No, it says you are being built up to a spiritual building to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. Verse 4. Verse 5. The building we're being built, we are the temple. In Christ, we are God's temple, which means we have a purpose. Together, we are bringing the glory of Christ out into the world. Together. All our little giftings and efforts together creates a crescendo of God's power. So, the invitation stands. Come to Jesus. If you're in Jesus, man, be grateful and praise his name loud because it's good to be loved. It is good to receive the name, have received mercy. It is good to have the name, his people. Let us pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the day, for your goodness and kindness to us. If there's anybody here in this room, Lord, who has ever called upon your name, has ever been born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let them bow their head this day and call upon your name that they may be saved. If there are those in this room who have gone astray, who have walked away from you, O Lord, let them come home. Come back to the mercy. Come back to the living stone to join again upon that cornerstone that is Christ. Lord, you are our foundation, and because of you we shall not fall. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.